Thanks for joining us for Life Vineyard Church. Well, hey, everybody. If we haven't met yet, my name's Dan. I'm one of the lead pastors here at Life. And I hope you had a good Valentine's this week, this last Wednesday. Some of you are like, what? It was Valentine's Day? Maybe you were celebrating your significant other or the love that you have with family or friends. Um, But it was also Ash Wednesday. Did you guys know that? That it was a day that we also celebrate the forgiveness and love of Jesus as well. It's kind of fun that those fell on the same day. I actually got a Valentine from Jesus. You guys look like you don't believe me, so I brought it. See? It's pretty cool. I was at my small group, and uh, Dan and Cindy Ditchfield said that uh, Jesus dropped by and dropped these Valentines off for them. And it says, to Dan from Jesus with a heart. Isn't that cool? Um, And it says, you make every day bright. And I said, only because of you, Jesus, because your light shines in us, right? So that was fun. Um, And... Listen, this sermon today, we didn't plan this, but it's really fun because it is on love this week, and maybe we should have planned that. Maybe Jesus planned it, and we should have thought of it, but uh, it's all good. So we're talking about love today. Now, it's not difficult for me to tell this room that love is a defining characteristic of a Christian. Right? A Christian loves God and people. It's a core tenet of our faith. And there's a scripture in 1 Corinthians, it might be new to you, uh, that lays out the foundation for what love might look like in our lives. Do you guys know where I'm going with this? 1 Corinthians 13. You guys know. You guys are smart. Uh, Here it is. You guys ready? If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't have love, but if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Here's what love is. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable. It keeps no record of being wrong. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. What I see in this scripture is that it's the activation of love, both inwardly in our thoughts and also in action, that marks a thriving disciple. Like, look at this. God... God, if you look at the scripture, God could have given you like this gift to, to speak every language on earth and even in the language of angels, which I didn't really even think about until I read this verse. Like, angels have a language? That's kind of cool. And if you could do that, you would impress me. I would be like, wow, that person is amazing. But if it's without love, Jesus says that it doesn't matter. 
And if you have the most amazing gift of speaking prophetically over people, hearing God's voice and knowing his plans and understanding God's mind, but you don't have love, then that's worthless. And if you could even move a mountain with all of the faith that you have, I mean, I would be impressed. I would be like, wow, you're amazing. You have an incredible gift. But if you do it without love, you have no love, then it doesn't mean anything. Uh, in this message series, it's called Come Alive, and we're, we're rethinking what it means to be a thriving disciple. And sometimes we can get caught up in the religion of things. Good religious things, too, like reading the right things, acting a certain way, helping the right people, believing the right things, knowing our spiritual gifts, going to small groups. All of these are great things, good things to do. And those are all external things. And just because we're doing those things doesn't mean that we're thriving in our personal, internal relationship with Jesus. That begins on the inside and then leads to everything else. And so we're looking at our inner lives. What does Jesus say about our inner lives and how that feeds the rest of what we do and who we are? So today we're taking a look at a defining characteristic of a Christian, which is love. Now, there's a handful of people in my life, maybe two or three handfuls of people I know personally that I really look up to spiritually. Now, they all have different things that I look up to them about in the way that they carry themselves or lead. But there's one thing that they all have in common, and it's that each of them has embraced love as a way of life. And I wonder if you think about the people that you know that you look up to spiritually on a, on a personal level, I bet it's because of their love. You see their love flowing through who they are. You see Christ's love through them. You've experienced that yourself, I bet. We, uh, we have a dog, my family. We got a dog a few months ago. And uh, this dog we adopted, she's a mutt. There she is. Her name's Abby. I now realize that you can hardly see her in the snow when she's on the screen there. Um, her name's Abby. We adopted her a couple months ago. And what you do when you adopt a dog that's a mutt that you don't know what it is, you try and figure it out, right? That's like part of the fun is you try and figure out what your dog is. And so we were Googling everything. We were looking at everything. I even went on some like dog forums and said, what do you think this is, you know? And based on all of our research, the best that we can figure out, like she's got these characteristics. She's got long deep fur that you can just like sink your hands into. Some people hate that. I, I, I'm kind of learning to love it. Uh, she never barks, which is crazy. Um, she's very friendly. She loves people. She loves to herd. We don't have any sheep or anything for her to herd, so she just herds us around the house. She gets right in front of us and tries to back us up and get pets that way. Um, she's a great dog. And so we, we just look at her and we try and figure it out, figure out her characteristics and her breed. And so our best guess is that she's an Australian shepherd mixed with a border collie. That's kind of our best guess. If you've got a guess, let me know after service. If you're online, you can tap it in the chat. Let me know what you think. Um, but that's our best guess about her breed. Now, the Bible tells us that we as Christians have characteristics. We have a characteristic that defines us as the breed of a Christian, Things that people will look at us and say, hey, that's a Christian. First Corinthians, we just read, talks about that. Jesus talks about it in John. He says this, as I have loved you, 
so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. But there's a slight problem here. I don't know if you guys have noticed, but like Christians today have uh, a stereotype that is not that, not that love, right? We have a stereotype of Christians that are judgmental and hypocritical, closed-minded, intolerant. I don't know about you, but all of those characteristics I do not associate with loving people. And of course, I don't, think, I don't see these things here. I don't see these things in our church. I would have a lot more scathing sermons for you if I did. But, you know, I, I also know that the enemy is always scheming to bring division, to change our minds um, from love to hate, to uh, creating enmity and dissensions and hostility towards other people. So we got to be aware. We've got to look out for what might be happening. And one place that we can look is in our hearts and how we just think about others. Like We don't even have to talk about action yet. Let's just talk in our hearts of how we think about other people. Jesus gives us instructions and he sets the example for how we are to run from judgmental, closed-minded behavior that cause divisions and then embrace the practice of inward and outward love towards others. And the practice, the practice of genuine love, it really is a difficult thing to nail down. It's a difficult thing to implement, especially inwardly. We can kind of fake it on the outside, but our inward thoughts and feelings, they're easy just to let sit there. They're easy to, to not let anybody know about, but it reveals our true character. Here's one of the problems, here's one of the problems is that love, like 1 Corinthians 13 talks about, can be so familiar that we just lose sight of what's important. We lose sight of that love is one of the most important things because of its familiarity. I mean, how many times have you heard 1 Corinthians 13 or any other similar verse and kind of just zoned out and said, okay, oh yeah, okay, I know this one, I know this verse, I've heard it many times. What's for lunch? Oh, man. There's no football today. Dang it. Oh, maybe, maybe I'll just watch that Taylor Swift documentary instead. That, that could do all right. And we go somewhere else in our heads. I, I don't have enough fingers and toes to count how many times I've done that when we've talked about love before. But love is crucial. But its constant visibility can diminish its significance. And so it blends into the background of familiarity. And because of that, other good and right things bubble to the surface that seem more pressing. And even if we're focused on the right things, we can still lose focus on the best thing. That is Christ-like love, both in our hearts and in action. So I want to I share a couple of times in the Bible where people are so caught up in the right thing that they miss out on the best thing that Jesus has. And before I read these stories to you, what I'm about to read from a Bible, it happened long ago. But these are really just the original scripts for what's still happening today. It's like the same movie playing over again with a different twist on the script and new actors playing the same roles. 
you know, did you guys watch the Super Bowl commercials? Did you see all the movie trailers that were in the, in the Super Bowl? It seemed like every one of them was like a prequel or a sequel or a remake of a movie. It's like the same thing. They're just reinventing it a slightly different way. That's what's, that's what's happening in our world today. We've just changed the script a little bit and the characters and the characters and uh, God is truly still speaking to us through these scriptures. We can, we can learn from them today. So the, I'm going to give you three. The first one is Matthew 19. It goes like this. One day, some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could lay his hand on them and pray for them. But the disciples scolded the parents for bothering him. But Jesus said, let the children come to me. Don't stop them. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are like these children. And he placed his hand on their heads and blessed them before he left. The disciples, they were trying to do the right thing. They didn't want the chaos of, of the children to interrupt the ministry that Jesus was doing. But instead, Jesus, instead of the right thing, chose the best thing and blessed them and showed them love. Mark 3, once more, Jesus went to the synagogue. There was a man there with a withered hand. People were watching to see if Jesus would heal him on the Sabbath so that they could frame a charge against him. The context here is that you don't work on the Sabbath. Healing would be considered work. And so that was a, a big no-no if you worked on the Sabbath. So people were watching to catch him. Uh, Stand up, said Jesus to the man with the withered hand, and come out here. And he said to them, is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath or to do evil, to save a life or to kill? They stayed quiet. He was deeply upset at their hard-heartedness and looked around at them angrily. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was restored. The religious leaders and people that were watching him, the Pharisees and scribes, they were, they were too caught up in the right, in the letter of the law, not to work on the Sabbath, that they were unable to accept a miracle happening right in front of them. They couldn't see it. I mean, they saw it, but they couldn't see it because they were so focused on the right thing rather than the best thing. Jesus responds with the best thing, his love. And then in Luke 5, later as Jesus left town, he saw a tax collector named Levi. Some context here, tax collectors were morally corrupt people. They stole, uh, it was legal, but they stole from people and they all had all sorts of other problems as well. And so he saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up, left everything and followed him. Later, Levi held a banquet in his home with Jesus as the guest of honor. Many of Levi's fellow tax collectors and other guests who might associate with tax collectors also ate with them. But the Pharisees and their teacher and the teachers of religious law complained bitterly to Jesus' disciples, "Why do you eat and drink with such scum?" Other translations use the word sinners. Jesus answered them, "Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do." 
I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners and need to repent. Again, the religious leaders were so focused on who doesn't deserve to be in their orbit that they missed the spiritual healing that was happening in their midst. Jesus responds again, not with the right thing, but with the best thing, the most loving thing. He's on the offensive to bring his love. And you know what? That doesn't start in Jesus' life with action. The seed of activated love is planted when we consider the sacred nature given to each person. That starts in our heart. That's where the ministry of Jesus begins, in the truth of his heart, that everyone is created as an image bearer of God. I want to give you an idea to take home today to help you continue to put love in the focus of your life, to make it the calling card of your life, the the thing that identifies you as a Jesus follower. And this idea, it comes by way of, of a prayer, a simple prayer you can just pray over and over again. I've prayed it lots this week after I, I started writing this. It's just this. It's, Jesus, give me the grace to mimic you in the way that you give value to the other. Jesus, give me grace to mimic you in the way that you give value to the other. We all have these others in our lives. They're the people that we hold at arm's length that we say, ah, you're not quite good enough for me. You don't believe the right things as me. You're not on my side enough. You know, simply put, it's just the way in which we stereotype people to say, you're in a category of person that's less than me. And so I keep you at arm's length. And this is what the disciples were doing. When they said, these kids aren't important enough. They haven't done anything worthy to enjoy your presence or your blessing, Jesus. Jesus, aren't they just a distraction to your ministry? They don't need to see you. And the Pharisees did the same thing. The religious leaders, they did the same thing as they reprimanded Jesus for hanging out with the scum, with the sinners. They were saying, they act a certain way, Jesus. They don't deserve your presence because they've made these choices. You know they're wrong, but you're hanging out with them anyway. Aren't you better than that, Jesus? You know, we're not too far off from this. I know, I know it's not a fun time to be compared to a Pharisee or a religious leader like that that's so judgmental. But you know, they're, they're in here for a reason. They're kind of... They, they demonstrate what happens when you continually say yes to the temptation of making people others in your life, of withholding love from certain people, even just privately, inwardly. You know, we judge, and that causes us to withhold mercy, compassion, and understanding when they need it the most. You can think about this in a dozen different ways, dozens of different ways. There's so many ways you can think about this. You can think about it, uh, Republican, Democrat, pro-life, pro-choice, trans, cis. I mean, pick a divisive topic today that people are talking about, and you will find people on both sides that diminish in their hearts the other because they've chosen the wrong way. 
And we do this in our closest relationships too. Sure, it's like in the way that we stereotype people that we don't really know. That's, that's something that we do. But where it affects us maybe the most is in our closest relationships. Like when I'm in an argument with Liz, I mean, I treat her as an other. I, I, I've hurt her, like, but I'm, I ignore that, right? I'm not willing to address that. I tell myself the things that like, I want to hear about myself, that I'm right, that Liz is wrong, that she's hurt me, and so I withhold by not listening, by judging. I close myself off from her. I have a running monologue in my head about how right I am, and I'm not even listening to what she's saying. I'm just ready to blurt out how she's wrong. Please tell me that you know what that's like. Anybody else? Am I the only one? But it all starts in how, whether it's, whether it's a, a people, a stereotype of people that we hardly know or the people closest to us, it all starts in how we begin to diminish the other the other person in our hearts, or choose to recognize their divine value inwardly. What's planted in the heart and mind will grow into an opportunity for action. It will come. And whatever's in your heart, you'll have an opportunity to act on it. You know, Jesus shows us the way to do this. Jesus' love for people, it reflects his heart. He doesn't let the influence of culture or the religious leaders or, you know, his favorite podcasts to corrupt his love for people. He recognizes the treasure that's right in front of him. A valuable, one-of-a-kind, never-to-be-repeated image-bearer of the divine. That's what he recognizes as he ministers to people. And it didn't matter if they were a Samaritan who believed a mutated version of Scripture, Romans who were oppressing his nation and killing his brothers, people who had a different sexual moral code, violent revolutionaries, Nicodemus was a Pharisee, a religious leader who was caught up in religion but disregarded justice and mercy. There was a rich young ruler who counted the cost of following Jesus. And he just said, no, that's too much. Jesus, I'm out. He rejected Jesus. And Jesus still looked at him with love and compassion. It was the morally starved people like tax collectors. He knew their value. He didn't agree with much of their lives. He could have seen them as a threat. He, he could have said, you're not doing it right. So you're out. I, I can't associate with you. But instead, he saw them as valuable image bearers of God. He loved them in his heart. He loved them with his presence. And in that way, he invited them in to the life-renewing kingdom. How might the Holy Spirit be calling us into that? might the Holy Spirit be calling you into a kind of love for others that Jesus had and has? How might the Holy Spirit be calling you to plant seeds first in your heart of love for the other that can grow and be acted on when the time is right? 
Whatever he might be calling you to, it begins with our internal thoughts. And we have to rely on the Holy Spirit's power to renew our hearts, to renew our thoughts, so that when the opportunity arises, we can be moved to action. Romans 12.2 tells us something important about this. It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. You know, there's a lot of behaviors and customs in this world that, you know, I want nothing to do with. We don't want to copy. We know that. This verse could branch into 50 different sermons. But there's one that I want to highlight in relation to how we love each other and how we love the other in our lives as well. You know, as a society, we've, we've normalized diminishing people. Like, it's just something that we see all the time. We read it online. We see it on the news. We hear the political pundits talking about it. We just see them diminishing other people. And so whether we're consuming media or in a conversation with a friend or even just in our own thoughts, we can begin praying, Jesus, give me grace to mimic you in the way you give value to the other. Would you renew my mind to help me value them like you do? Even if I don't agree with them, even if they go against Scripture, I want to love them and invite them into the kingdom like you did. There are three questions that I've got for you as I close today that that will help us realize where our minds are so that we can ask God for more of his grace to love. And these questions, again, they're for any time. They're for in an argument with a loved one. In the midst of an argument, you can ask these questions. They're for listening to a podcast when they're talking about other people. They're for watching a news program, interacting with someone that's not like you at the grocery store. All of those examples, those are all ways where I ask these questions. This week, I, I had to ask these questions and ask God for more grace. So the first one is, Am I present or distant? Am I present or distant? Henry Nouwen, in his book, Out of Solitude, he writes this. To care means, first of all, to be present to each other. From experience, you know that those who care for you become present to you. When they listen, they listen to you. When they speak, they speak to you. Their presence is a healing presence because they accept you on your terms and they engage you to take your own life seriously. Now, this doesn't mean you necessarily have to sit with everyone you come across with, sit down and have a conversation with them. Presence can be practiced even just as we interact with someone at the grocery store. Like, there was someone that I knew that I disagreed with just based on their appearance that I found myself, like, closed off to. And even wanted to, like, choose a different cashier. But I had to ask, can I practice presence with this person? Can I give God's presence to them in just our short interaction? Are we willing to be present to those we see as others? The second one, am I loving or judgmental? In this moment, as I interact with this person or think about this person, am I loving or judgmental? 
And this question invites us just to be honest with our internal thoughts as we interact or even just think about someone else. And the last one, am I open or closed? Am I open or closed? This one I personally found particular help, particularly helpful in disagreements this week. Am I open to how the other person is feeling right now? Am I open to hear my own faults? Am I open to change my thinking about this situation? Am I open to what God might be speaking to me to do in this situation? And when I've asked that question this week more than once, I've, I've been closed. I've had to ask for grace to open myself and ask for God's grace to choose love. We can use that prayer. Jesus, give me grace to mimic you in the way that you give value to the other. And when we pray that prayer, I think we're going to start planting seeds in our hearts. Like you won't have an opportunity for action every single time. You might. But it's going to plant a seed in your heart that Jesus puts there in love to grow into love so that when the opportunity comes, you can move into action. And like Jesus, invite people into the life-renewing kingdom by bringing his presence through you. Will you pray with me? Jesus, we thank you that you give us your presence freely, that we're sinners. We've messed up, and you still say, I'm coming to you. I'm running after you. I'm coming to give you my love no matter what you've done, no matter who you are. So Jesus, that's humbling and we praise you for it. We thank you for it. And would you put in our hearts that same seed, that same attitude in your heart that you see for others, that same value that you put that you put on others, of being divine creations, would you put that in our hearts, especially for those we see as others in our lives? And God, we, we want to be people of action. And so when that love is there, would you give us the boldness to act on it when that opportunity arises to love your people? bring them your presence. At Life Vineyard Church, we want you to experience the life-changing presence of God. We'd love to have you join our community. We meet every Sunday in Muhammad, Illinois. To find out more, go to lifevineyard.org, lifevineyard.org.